Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Please find the book of Proverbs, the first chapter. We're going to look at verse 7 in a minute. But I want to bring us back, uh, up to where we were in our teachings on intercessory prayer. If you could remember way back when we first started this teaching in this series on prayer, we gave you three divisions of prayer. We started with division one, which included four subdivisions. And that division was prayer that changes things. Prayer that changes things. See, we are confronted during our daily walk with many situations and circumstances that surround us that are contrary to the will of God. They're contrary to the will of God. And instead of learning how to walk in the wisdom of God to get these circumstances changed, people end up seeking an easy way out. Go to a meeting. Go to a specialist in the field of prayer. Someone who's anointed of God to lay hands on the sick, etc. But you see, friends, this doesn't last forever. This does not last forever. You may get that in your early walk with the Lord, but it doesn't last forever. God expects His children to grow up just like you expect your children to grow up. Isn't that right? So, it's needful then that we as the beloved apostle Paul did learn how to be independent of circumstances and situations in our daily walk. Remember in Philippians 4.11, he says, I have learned that whatsoever state I am in, how to be independent of circumstances. In other words, I can do all things through Christ to get the circumstances to line up to the Word of God. And if those circumstances are contradicting God's perfect will in my life, I can get them changed. Well, how can I do that, beloved apostle? Well, four ways you can get circumstances changed. Number one, we said, was the prayer petition, supplication. It's a wonderful uh, prayer that we talked about. Remember, that's the lowest type of fellowship with the Father, though. I think you need to write that down. Prayer petition and supplication is the lowest type of fellowship with the Father. It's a prayer of asking for yourself. That's the lowest type of prayer. You go in there and saying, Father, I need this or I need that. That's the lowest type of communion and fellowship with the Father. Now, when you go in there to, to, to pray for somebody else, that's the highest time. See, you're worshiping and praising Him for somebody else, somebody else's life. That's the ministry of intercession. We also said there was the prayer of binding and loosing, number two, and also number three, the prayer of agreement. These are three different types of prayers that can change circumstances in, in your life. Now, our fourth one, our fourth subdivision, was the prayer of intercession. The prayer of intercession. This is the fourth prayer that's designed to help us to change circumstances and situations, basically in the lives of others. But it also works for you. See, no matter what circumstance, no matter what situation, the Bible tells us that there's a way out. God is faithful. He's not going to allow us to be into a position to where we are backed into a corner by the adversary and we have no way of escape. 
He says, I have made for you a way of escape out of every situation, every circumstance, every trial, every tribulation, every temptation. I have made a way of escape. But you need the wisdom of God to appropriate that blessing. I need the wisdom of God to use the knowledge of His Word in a profitable way so that the Father can carry out His perfect will concerning my life. And sometimes without this prayer of intercession, beloved, it will never get done. See, the prayer of faith is not the only type of prayer. Sometimes we put ourselves into a, a box. Now, you hear what I'm saying. Brother Hagin has even said, when I go to certain meetings, like I go to Pittsburgh to a meeting, I go to Detroit to a meeting, I go you know, to, to, to Atlanta for a meeting, he says... I am basically there to teach the people one type of praying. That's the prayer of faith. To get them into a position that right at that moment they can get their need met right then. He says, and there will be a percentage of them that will get it right then. But I don't have time to sit around and teach all the other types of prayer. Because I'm only going to be in that city for three days. I don't have that kind of time. So I just go there as directed by the Lord to get people that are ready they understand faith or get them to a place of faith where they can, you know, receive their blessing. Maybe receive their healing. Maybe get their deliverance. Maybe get their need met. But remember something. That's not all there is to this walk of faith. Thank God that you got it that way. I praise God that I got it that way. I praise God for all those that are getting it that way. But let's move on with God. Amen? Let's grow up in Him in all things. And let's learn, you know, about all the types of praying and prayer. Learn how to walk with Him in a close fellowship. So that we can have our needs met without having to go somewhere else. That's the ultimate in God is that we can be, as Paul said, independent of circumstances, totally dependent on God. As Jesus was dependent upon his father. Amen. Now, the prayer of intercession, as I said, is one way to get things changed, circumstances, even concerning your life and concerning the lives of others. Now, here in Proverbs, the first chapter, I said you need to have the Spirit of God to give unto you the wisdom of God so that we can have the ability to use the knowledge of the Word in a profitable way so that the Father God can carry out His perfect will concerning us and concerning the lives of others. Now, notice what it says here in the seventh verse. Now, I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Bible, just to amplify it a little bit, but you can follow me there in, in the King James. The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is the beginning and the principal and choice part of knowledge, and the King James says wisdom, that is its starting point and its essence. But fools despise skillful and godly wisdom, instruction, and discipline. And discipline. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning. That word beginning, in my margin says, you may have this in your margin. It's the principal part of wisdom. Now, let's look at another scripture that will confirm this in 111 Psalm, verse 10. I'm going to read again from the Amplified Bible. It expands and amplifies. What is being said here. The reverent fear and worship of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and skill. 
Then in parentheses it says, it's the preceding and the first essential, the prerequisite, and the alphabet of them. The fear of the Lord. Now we got to, you know, stop it for a minute. The fear of the Lord is the principle. It's like the alphabet. You know, how many sentences could you make up without the alphabet? How many words can you make up without the alphabet? How much, you know, can you get done without the alphabet? I mean, you know, if you could teach somebody the alphabet, then chances are they're going to learn how to write and read. But if we don't get to them the alphabet, then you're going to have a harder time to develop them, you know, in your language. But here's what he's saying. The, this fear of the Lord is the principal part. It's like the alphabet. It's the essence of the wisdom of God. It's the principal part of the wisdom of God. And without the knowledge of the fear of the Lord, you're not going to have the wisdom of God. And I want to tell you something right now. Those that walk and turn their backs on the faith walk have turned their backs on the wisdom of God. It's only the principal part. Because the fear of the Lord, as I taught here before, and if you don't got them tapes, you better get them tapes. You need to get those tapes. The fear of the Lord is to keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking any gal. And when I say gal and evil, I'm not talking about, you know, filthy language. I am talking about doubt and unbelief. That's what it is. Speaking doubt and unbelief. When we begin to learn the power of the tongue in the words of our mouth, then you have just entered into the essence or the alphabet of the wisdom of God. And if that's just the beginning of it, beloved, just think how much more we could learn. Now, as you can see here, I'm going to, let me finish reading this. A good understanding, wisdom and meaning have all those who do the will of the Lord. See, it involves in getting the will of the Lord done. God has His perfect will in our lives. It's His perfect will we be healed. It's His perfect will we be delivered. Because we are healed, we are delivered. But people have a lack of wisdom. And they don't know how to appropriate the knowledge of the Word that says by His stripes they were healed. So consequently, we need to get into intercession. We need to intercede on the behalf of others. We need to pray in tongues on the behalf of ourselves that the Father would by His Spirit Pour out upon us the spirit of wisdom. Let's go back to Proverbs and we'll show you one more scripture before we go on. First chapter again. And verse 23. If you... I'm reading again from the Amplified Bible. If you will turn or repent... And give heed to my reproof. Behold, I, that's wisdom speaking, wisdom will pour out his spirit upon you and will make known my words unto you. Don't you remember that Paul prayed that prayer in the book of Ephesians, saying that I pray that God would give unto you the spirit of wisdom? Remember in Isaiah 11 chapter when uh, prophesying about Jesus and in, 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 uh, Isaiah said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Okay, that's what he's saying here. If you'll turn at my reproof, when I reprove your ways, 
and take heed unto my way and take heed to what I'm saying, I will pour out unto you my wisdom. The Spirit of wisdom will come upon you and it'll make known my word. See, we got this word here. But he'll make known unto our spirits this word. How to use this word. How to appropriate this word. How to walk in line of this word. And this is something that's done inside the Spirit. And it involves everything that we do, especially intercessory prayer. I'm going to give you an example. Over the, over the Thanksgiving weekend, holiday, we had uh, gone over my parents. We went over our, my parents for, you know, Thanksgiving dinner. Boy, my mother could cook. I mean, she made everything and then more, you know. But anyhow, my uncle was there, who spent many years in a state institute. Many, many years. Many, 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 many years. And in times past, in the last five, six years, you know, we've endeavored to discuss salvation. I'll talk to you just like I'm talking to you right now. But more or less living like in two worlds. He was then, you know, since released and like in a halfway house. Because he's competent enough to do his own things and, you know, live by himself. But uh, I remember. I remember my family, my father, my brother, myself, speaking to him concerning Jesus. Didn't want to hear it. Didn't want to hear it. I mean, it's like one of those cases, like you said, well, I didn't want to hear it. What are you going to do? You don't want to hear about Jesus. What are you going to do? And sometimes we can forget the prayer of intercession. But some time ago, the Spirit of God moved upon my heart to really begin to pray and intercede in intercession concerning all of our family members. And I mean, I mean, not just lightly. I mean, get into intercession and pray concerning these, these loved ones of ours. Oh, dear God, if we can't pray for our loved ones, who in the world can we pray for? See, but intercession can change things. And so I just sat there. We had, we had you know, finished our, our dinner. And I was just sitting down in the chair there. And he was sitting on another chair and the kids were playing. And I, I, I can't explain it. Sometimes it's hard to explain these things in, in words because they're spiritual things. And, and, you know, we live in the natural here. But I looked over at it. See, we've, we've done this all before. And I don't get me wrong. We've done this before. I mean, you know, it's not that we didn't try to witness to this fellow. It's just that he wasn't receiving it and didn't want to hear about it and want to talk about it. Matter of fact, got upset, you know, sometimes. He said, look, I don't want to talk about it. But I looked over, and when I looked over, something got a hold of my spirit. Remember that verse in Romans eight twenty six where it says, The Spirit of God, likewise the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. He takes hold together with us against our infirmities. Sometimes we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered in articulate speech. For he that searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Well, I just looked over there. And, the whole, and I know inside my spirit, the Spirit of God, grabbed the whole, I just knew it. See, you can't make this happen. And sometimes it just, you know, you can enter into it sometimes by faith. And then the Spirit of God will, you know, take over, hold together with you. But sometimes he'll initiate it himself. And I just looked over there. And, 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 and you could imagine now those little kids. I mean, a lot of little kids. My brother's got four. I got three. And there was a couple others over there. So we had about, what, seven, eight, nine kids running around. And, and you know, that's a lot of noise. But it seemed like that when, that when that took place, I wasn't aware of all the noise. 
And uh, so I, I just looked over, and before I said anything, before I did anything, I said, Sweet Holy Spirit of God, there's got to be some words that I could say that could touch that man's heart. We've tried to witness to him, like I said, but you know, you, you couldn't touch the man's heart. But I said, sweet Holy Spirit, I know, give me the words of wisdom that are needful to minister Christ to this man's heart. And I was just, I just forgot the condition of the man. I just forgot about the times he refused. And I wasn't just concerned about any of that. I was just concerned about the fact that I knew the Spirit of God had taken hold together with me. And so I just said, I bind you, foul spirit. We're going to get into this. Concerning the salvation of our loved ones. I said, I bind you, foul spirit. I did all this under my breath. You don't have to be loud. You don't have to be boisterous. You, all we got to do is just know that it's God. Now, you could imagine, here's a man that if he doesn't... I tell you what, you don't get the gospel of this fellow, he's, that's it, he's doomed. And he wasn't receiving it from the family. Nobody else was going to tell him about it. I mean, where he was living, he was isolated from the world. And it seemed like the Spirit of God, as it, as it took hold together with me, I said, there's got to be words, words. You know, Spirit of God, you know the right words that i got to say. We've been saying the wrong words. We've been preaching them the word to get saved. Yeah, but by the letter of the law, we just didn't tell them about this. And tell them about... But I knew that the Spirit of God had to say something through my mouth that would get that fellow saved. Now, all this was going on in the split second, you know. You, you stop and think about some things that happen in the Spirit, and you can, you can go on and on and on. I'm thinking about it now. You know, my wife, I'm thinking about it right now. I'm saying all these things happened. It was only a split second of time. And so then I just walked over, you know, real calmly walked over, and I knelt down by his side. And I said to him, you know, some things. And I said, did you ever uh, think about what happens to an individual when uh, he leaves his body? Well, not very much, he said. I said, but you do know that uh, one day we're all going to leave these, these bodies of ours here, and we're going to be gone, don't you? Yes, yes. And the Spirit of God began at that point to minister to him like I never did before in a different way. Presenting to him the, the reality of death and life. Not just telling him that he needs to be saved, and he needs religion, he needs to be Jesus, he needs to be born. But just ministering to him life and death. And when he was saying no to the answers to the questions before, he starts saying yeses. Don't you want to know that you can go to heaven when you, when you leave this body? Oh, yes. Did you know that you could know that you're going to have... No. But you can. Did you know that Jesus said and taught in the Word concerning this? No. You do believe that Jesus died for your sins? Oh, yes. And I mean, in previous times it was all, you know, negative. But now all of a sudden, the Spirit of God, see, He's taking hold together with me and the words that are coming out of me. He'll say, I'll give you a mouthful of wisdom that none of your adversaries shall gain sin or resist. I bound that dumb spirit. That was blinding his mind before I ever walked over. Then I remember Second Corinthians four four says that there is a spirit that blinds the mind of those that are not receiving the light of the gospel. I says I bind that foul spirit, and I tell you what, you're not going to interfere or hinder in any way as I minister to him, Jesus. And so as time went on, and I just began to witness to him. Finally, got to the point. I says, Well, now you understand all of what I'm saying. He said, Yes, I do. He says, You want to pray? And he says, Well, I don't think so right now. I'm kind of stuffed from all the food. I, says, I don't think so right now. 
So I says, that's okay. I says, that's all right. See, some people get upset. Right there. I says, that's all right. I said, but I can't stay very long. We've got to go. Before we leave, I says, we'll pray. Okay? He said, yeah. Okay. He said, we'll pray. So we got, you know, ourselves together. And a little bit later, about an hour later, we're ready to leave. And I walked to him and said, I said, no, we have to go now. Now, you said you wanted to pray. I said, you, you want to pray now? He said, oh, yes, I'm ready to pray now. Let's pray. I says, will you pray what I pray? He says, yes, I will. I'm going to pray, and you receive Jesus into your heart, and you'll know you're going to heaven. I says, that sound? He says, yes, that sounds good. Now, beloved, it was just like cutting butter with a burning hot knife. And it's already been sitting out in the sun. And you say, now, why can't you do that all the time? Well, you see, you just don't, this doesn't happen all the time like that. you just got to be alert, and you've got to take hold together with God, with the Spirit of God, and, you know, allow Him to lead us and guide us and direct us as to how to deal with people's hearts. I believe it can happen like that if we can just be in tune with the Spirit of God. So He can unveil to us and unfold to us how to reach people's hearts with the Word that we are speaking. And, beloved, right there, sitting inside that chair, He accepted Christ into his heart. And I said, now, Father, I commit him unto your word. I can't be there with him 24 hours a day to teach him, but I, mean, I, can, I commit him unto your word. But I know this, he accepted Jesus Christ into his heart as his Lord and Savior. Amen. See, it, it, takes, it takes the wisdom of God. Don't ever give up on those people that, that are your loved ones. Don't give up on them, because the Holy Spirit will give you the wisdom and pour out unto your spirit the wisdom whereby you can... Deal with their human spirits to get them to a place of acceptance of Christ, to get them born again. And I'm rejoicing in my heart. I just rejoice in my heart that I know another one of our family. That same thing happened with my grandfather when he was in his age, 88 years old. Couldn't understand communication yet. Couldn't understand our language very well. But praise God, only months before his departure to go off to be with the Lord, he, he accepted. We invited him over to our house. He accepted Christ to be his Savior. And I know that they're both in glory, in, in the, my, brother, my uncle here being in glory. What a reward. What a reward. We used to, used to sing a song there. My brother and I were singing a song. The devil's mad and I'm glad. He lost the soul that he thought he had. Amen. He thought he had my grandfather for 88 years. Bless God, he lost the soul that he thought he had. He thought he had my uncle, but praise God, he lost the soul that he thought he had. Be like that little old deacon we used to sing about. One of them will teach somebody songs. I got some things up my sleeve you don't know about. <laughs> you know that old deacon went down to the cellar to pray? He got lost and he stayed all day. Yeah, we should be like that. I'll get my wife up here one day. She'll sing it for you. <laughs> now, how come we get off on that? Well, When we first got saved, we used to sing songs like that, and just a thrill, you know, to get together, my brother and I, and uh, bring back some good memories of uh, when you first got born again. You know, you just, oh, you're just so exuberant, so overzealous for God, you just don't even go over a bit of God, but you know, not according to knowledge. <laughs> but praise God, we had some good times. Well, anyhow. Now, you see here, when we get involved in intercessory prayer, we are praying for somebody who's not, now listen, who's not cooperating with the will of God concerning their lives. It's God's will that man be saved years ago. 
But the individual is not cooperating with the will and program of God. So consequently, unless somebody gets to him, he's not going to ever cooperate with the will of God for salvation. We said there are three ways. Number one, by the preaching of the Word. I preached the Word, he didn't want to hear it. Well, there's special manifestations. I believe this was a special manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of God saw fit at that time to reveal unto me the words whereby that man would be saved. A special manifestation of the Holy Spirit to impart unto me the words of wisdom at that given time, at that moment of time, right there, that split second of time, to get across to him the word of salvation. And I thank God that he received it. Amen? But then there are those that will never, 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 never get anything from God except the ministry of intercession. Whereby you and I stand the gap for these other people that are not cooperating with the will of God and intercede and pray and intercede until the Spirit of God will move upon our hearts and their hearts so that we can together bring them to a place of acceptance of the will and program of God. So, beloved, we need the wisdom of God to operate and appropriate the Word in a profitable way so that He can carry out His perfect will. Now, there's also a part of intercession that I want to say. I think sometimes we think about only praying in other tongues. And while I'm saying this, go find the book of Exodus, 32nd chapter. The book of Exodus, the 32nd chapter, begin at verse 7. And... uh, Not only are we to intercede to bring a person to a place of salvation. I want you to listen to me. Intercessory prayer. We're living in a day where we can intercede more effectively than they could under the Old Covenant. Because we've got the gift of the Holy Ghost. We can speak with other tongues. And uh, that's, you know, the better promise that we have in intercessory prayer. We can pray by the Holy Ghost who intercedes for us and with us uh, to pray the perfect will of God. But now I want you to note that you don't take that ministry alone. Colossians 1.9 says that we are to... Paul prayed for the church at Colossae and said, I pray and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. As long as I'm interceding for you only in tongues and not praying the Word, then actually I'm not using and availing myself to all that the Word teaches and all that God has to offer. As long as I'm praying that God then would would grant unto you the wisdom, and you would grow in that wisdom and understanding, all spiritual understanding, that you can walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, well, the more that's done in your life, the less I'll have to intercede for you. The more you learn the knowledge of His will and begin to walk in the knowledge of His will, the less you have to intercede for somebody. Because they're walking in line with God's program now. And the intercession won't be as necessary for that individual you know, other, only in other areas. But when they get to this area that they have the understanding of how to walk in divine health, well then praise God in that area, as they begin to walk in the perfect will of God concerning that, intercession won't be as great, greatly necessary for that person in that, in, you know, area of his life. Then you can shift over to another area of that person's life. And I'm going to show you how these things work by precept and example here later on. But I want you to see something here concerning the ministry of intercession in the 32nd chapter. Of the book of Exodus, beginning with verse 7, I want to show you how far-reaching intercessory prayer is. What kind of weight does it hold in the earth? How much authority do we have? How, you know, how much can we get accomplished by this ministry of intercession? Well, let's see how, how much weight it has. And the Lord said unto Moses, Get thee down for thy people, 
which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How many people do you know that fit uh, in this category? They can be classified with these people. You know, Paul talked about people in the Corinthian church that had sinned and not repented. They have corrupted themselves, they've sinned, and they're sinning, they're living in sin, and they've not repented of the evil deeds that they have done. We can't turn our backs on them. We have got to pray for these people, intercede for these people. Look what it says here. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. People do this all the time. They turn away, out of the way. The way is straight and the way is narrow, but people are always turning out the way, going into the ditch on either side. We just can't ignore it. We've got to pray and intercede for them. Moses did. Look at it. Let's read it together. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it. They have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, underline these words. Now, therefore, God is speaking to Moses. Look at these three words. Let me alone. Don't you ever let God alone concerning that loved one. Look what God said. Let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them. Is that God speaking? You better believe it. Beloved, they broke the covenant. And there's only one individual that I know that will allow you to break a covenant and send you still mercy and grace. And that's God. But if someone didn't intercede and he was left alone with his wrath, his wrath would have kindled hot against these people and he had every right to, to stop that covenant right there. You think about that. Legally, he could have done it. Right there, he could have destroyed everything. Right there, he wanted to do it. Look what he wanted to say. And that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Thank God Moses besought the Lord. Moses didn't leave him alone. Moses did not leave him alone. He sought the Lord. He besought the Lord. And he said, Lord, why does your wrath wax hot against your people, which you have brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath. He's speaking to God. Now notice the next phrase. He's speaking to God Almighty. And he says, turn from your fierce wrath and repent. <laughs> I can say that to you. Some preachers, they just walk around, repent you old sinner. You know. I mean, I can see saying that to somebody who's an old sinner. That needs to be saved by grace. But he's to God and said, Father, you've got a covenant. You made that covenant. Why are you getting so upset with these people? Remember Abraham? He went on to say, he brought, you've got to know the covenant if you're going to intercede. Repent now because you're getting angry at them. Repent from that and turn from that. Look what he said. Repent of this evil against thy people. Well, 
Mark down these two scriptures along with that boldness. Hebrews 4.16 tells you to come boldly to the throne of grace that you may receive mercy and obtain grace to help in the time of need. 1 John 5.16 and 17... 1 John 4.16, excuse me, and 17 tells us that as we walk in love, God walks in us. We walk in Him. We're operating in love. Therefore, have we confidence or boldness toward God because as He is, so are we. See, if you're not walking in this love... You won't have boldness towards God. You won't be able to stand up to him and like, like Moses did right here and say, Now, Father, you said. That's not in arrogance. That's in family rights. My little children. When they come up to me, I'll tell you what. If you ever tell Lisa that you're going to give her a dollar so she can go to the store, you will, she will not forget it. She won't, if I put out my word and said, I'm going to buy you this, or I'm going to do that, I guarantee you that she has boldness to come into my presence as long as she's not being disobedient. Daddy, you said that you'd buy me this. You said you'd give me that dollar. You said you'd do that. And I said, oh, I guess I did, didn't I? Didn't I? That's not arrogance. She didn't come to me in arrogance. She said, Daddy, you said. She's holding my word out to me. She said, is your word good or is it not? Is it, are you lying to me or what? Moses stands before the face of the Father and he says, you're the one that brought him out. You're the one that made the covenant. You're the one that said they're your people. You're the one that says that Abraham's going to have, you know, many nations and, and so on and so forth. You're the one that said it. Remember Abraham. Look it. Let's go on. Verse 13. Remember Abraham and Isaac and Jacob Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self and saidest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. Well, it wasn't asking for a dollar. But it gets the point across, doesn't it? Look at the response of God in verse 14. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. What kind of weight does intercessory prayer hold on the earth? You can't get any higher than that. But I want you to note the ingredients of boldness. I want you to note that you've got to have an understanding of your covenant rights and what God has sworn his word to do. If you don't know that, you have no basis for your intercession. You have no basis, no foundation. You don't walk into his throne room unprepared. You walk into that presence of the Father God well-versed in the word, holding up to him the word that he has spoken and the covenant that he has swore by. And he says, my covenant will I not break nor alter the word that's gone forth out of my mouth. Some people, when they intercede for somebody and break the power of the devil over that person's mind, in the next breath they refute it. When you get involved in praying for somebody to be saved, once you break that power, don't you yield to that devil and say, that, well, you know, don't do it 101 times. You say, you foul spirit that's blinded the mind of brother so -and or this so-and-so person from receiving the glorious light of the gospel of truth, I bind you and every demonic force and influence behind that, and I command you to come out. And in Jesus' name, I call him delivered and free. And you mark down when you said that and then you just begin to just hold up to God his word and said, Father, I broke the power of that devil. That mind's not blinded any longer. Praise God. There are angels round about him. There's the word of God that's bound to him and somebody in this earth is bringing to him the word of truth and he's going to see that light. See, people do this a thousand and one times. You don't need to do it a thousand and one times. 
When you learn how to do it one time, that's sufficient. Then use your faith once you do it and believe those things are bound and their mind is open. We're going to get deeper into this, but I want you to see the weight this carries. I want you to see the force we have with God in intercession. He saved the whole nation. He held up to God His Word boldly. Can you imagine somebody who was afraid to walk into the presence of God and uphold His Word to Him? Well, if God said He's going to destroy, I'm just getting out of the way. Don't bother me. You know, okay, uh, you know, just do what you want to do. But He did. He held up the Word, the covenant. He held up this to the Father's presence. And He says, look, this is what you said. This is what you swore. You've got to keep it. And the Lord repented. The Lord actually repented. Now, I, I don't know what you think about this. But I'd write down right next to that verse of Scripture right there, James 5.16, which says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man makes much power available, dynamic, and it's working. That's dynamic. That is dynamic. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. I'm quoting it from the Amplified Bible, I believe makes much power available, dynamic in its working. Dynamic. He had a position and a place in the presence of God that God could not refute. He had to stand his ground. He Actually, Moses stood his ground with the Lord. Upheld his word to him. Said, you can't do it because of what you said. Now, let's go to another. Genesis, the 18th chapter. And I want to show you something else concerning intercession. In the 18th chapter, verse 16, here we have another intercessor. It's called Abraham. Abraham is interceding for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, it, it does us good to study the scriptures where we see people are interceding. But Paul did a lot of interceding for the churches when we're going to get to that when we get to interceding for the church. A lot of intercession was made up for the churches in the spirit and in his understanding. And we're going to see how he did that so that we know how we should be doing it in our daily walk. But here we find some more ingredients to successful and effective intercession as we read this. Let's start with verse 16. And the man rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Now note that. I believe that we have authority with God that in the earth. That he's not going to hide. Now the Bible doesn't say that the Spirit of truth has come to hide things from you. But it says he has come to reveal and to show us things to come. Doesn't it say that? And I believe it's God's perfect plan and purpose if we're in tune with Him to show us events that's going to take place in the lives of our loved ones if we are open to hearing what He has to say and receiving what He wants to show us. Because we're in the same covenant, that, you know, a better covenant established upon better promises. And here He says, I'm not going to hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. You mark that down, mark that down, put that down, and put first preference right here. I know him. God knew something about Abraham that he could confide in Abraham. And if you want the Father to confide in you, you have to have the same characteristic in your life. I know, Brother John, he's going to teach his kids and his kids' kids. 
concerning my ways, my statutes, and my judgments, so I can reveal to him that which I have. I know him. Wouldn't you like God to say that about you? I know Sister Mary. I know Sister Susie. I know what she'll do. So I can trust in her. I can confide in her. You see what I'm saying? I know him, he said. Look what he wanted to do. I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham. Notice that. That the Lord may. See, without that, beloved, the Lord cannot bring upon you that which he had spoken. Although it's yours, legally, if we're not doing it, he can't bring it upon us. Okay, let's go on. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have altogether, according to the cry of it, have, have done altogether, according to the cry of it, which has come unto me. And if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Abraham stood yet before the Lord, even though the men were going down, the angels were going down to find out what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, and to prove it out, Abraham stood before the Lord. And Abraham drew near. Oh, they're so, this is so rich. Draw nigh unto God, and he'll draw nigh unto you. You've got to stand before him if you're going to draw nigh unto him. Stand before him as, as Abraham, and draw nigh unto him through his word. Through humility, humbling yourself before him. We don't know anything. I consider myself before God to know nothing. Save Jesus Christ and him crucified and what he has to reveal to me. So Abraham drew near unto the Lord. And he said, Will thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Look at he gets bold towards God. Who's he got? What's he got to do with the affairs of God's business? What does Abraham have to say about this situation? Evidently something, because he's bargaining with them. Look what he says. Preadventure, there be fifty righteous within the city. Will you also destroy and not spare the place for fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous and the wicked, with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee shall not the judge of all the earth do right. He said that to God. Now, I could talk, you know, we could talk about our judges around here. You know, if you're the judge, aren't you going to do right? You ever try to plead your case before a judge and you knew you was in the right and they was in the wrong, but they just couldn't see your, you know, see it your way? Aren't you going to do right by me? But Abraham stood before God and said, Now, aren't you going to, you're the judge of all this, aren't you going to do right? He was questioning the justice of God and his decision to destroy these two cities with the righteous in it. Now, look at the next step. That's boldness. Write that down. Boldness is an, is an ingredient for effective and successful intercession. Look at the next verse. And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold now. I don't know who was the greater or the first one, but he's got some pretty good bargaining power here. You know? Look, look at this. I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Mark that down. Humility. Humility. 
humbling himself, humbling himself by calling himself dust and ashes. Now, I'm going to show you how wise he was to go into the presence of the Lord with that statement. You don't have to turn to this. I'm going to find it and read it. In 103rd Psalm, write down the scripture so you know it. 103rd Psalm, verses 13 and 14. Now listen to what it says. Here he considers himself to be dust and ashes. He's humbling himself before the Lord. Now doesn't this Bible say, if you humble yourself, draw nigh unto him, he'll draw nigh unto you by humbling yourself. He drew near unto the Lord through humbling himself unto the Lord. Okay, look what it says here in the 103rd Psalm, verse 13. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, for he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. And so as he came before him and says, I'm but dust and ashes, and I'm, I'm taking upon myself to speak unto you, the Lord had pity on him as we pity our children. That's what he did to Abraham there. And so he listened to what he had to say. And look what he went on. Pre-adventure, he said, shall there lack five of the fifty righteous? Will thou destroy all the city for the lack of five? And he said, I, if I find the, there forty and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again, and he said, Pre-adventure, there shall be forty found there. And he said, imagine him doing this to the Lord. Can you imagine? I, I can see my little kids, at least she'll start out by saying, Dad, can I stay up until, eight, uh, until quarter to nine? Uh, well, uh, we'll think about, we'll see, well, uh, maybe I guess it's all right. Well, can I stay up till nine? Well, now, Lisa, I just say, you know, well, how about 9.15? <laughs> maybe 9.30. And that's just, you should do that too, you know, and, and you know, all kids are like that, you know. Well, if they find out they can get a dollar, they say, well, how about two? You know. And sometimes if you're talking on the phone, you're not thinking, oh, okay, two, and, you know, and you're just giving, them, how about three, Dad, you know. But that's how they are. But here's, he's, he's acting like a little kid before the Father God. Well, Lord, if there's not 50, how about 45? I started too high. Well, maybe 40. If there's 40, would you spare him for 40? 35? 30. Lord, 25? 20? You can imagine that kind of... That's, the Father, it must thrill his heart to have his children fellowship like that. He probably sat there laughing. Said, boy, and having pity on him, you know. But look, he gets all the way down. Let's go down to verse 32. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I'll speak just one more time. Pray adventure, ten be found there. And he says, I'll not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way. And as soon as he had left, underline this word. Intercessory prayer is communion with the Father. Communing with Abraham. The father called that sweet communion. And he wasn't in there for himself. The father loved it. He enjoyed that business relationship he had with his son. Think about that. Okay? And Abraham returned unto his place. Now, actually, if you were to read without studying this out, you, you were to think, well, look, it didn't do any good because the cities were destroyed. But wait a minute, it did do good. Look at the 19th chapter, verse 29. I just want to get through this to show you. Verse 29. You know that Lot was saved and his two children. Of course, there were more there that, of his family that did not make it. His wife didn't make it. There were others. But they were there in the city. See, Abraham thought he had, uh, you know, some bargaining power because he knew Lot was there. He knew his kids were there. The husbands were there. Others were there. You know, maybe 
offspring, whatever. But now listen, verse 29. And Lot went up. Now, I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but I'm going to say this. He's in his session. God, angels, angels that went down there to speak to Lot. God can't do anything in the earth without somebody praying. And I don't believe those angels would have spoke to Lot if it wasn't for Abraham, because look what this verse says. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which, in which Lot dwelt. All of what Abraham did got him to a place that at least Lot and his two children, two daughters, were delivered from... Of course, his wife would have been if she didn't turn back. But it was all because God remembered who? Abraham. It didn't say God remembered Lot. Maybe, maybe Lot wasn't walking in festival with the Lord. I don't know. I'm just saying that it was because of Abraham's intercession that Lot got delivered. See, sometimes we look at these things from the wrong side of the mountain. It's because of Abraham's intercession and, and bargaining with the Lord that Lot got delivered. And thank God that he did stand before the Lord. And thank God he stood up to the Lord and, and, and you know, began to intercede and draw an eye on the Lord for his family that was down there. See, and if he can get it done, you know you and I can get it done. Because we have, as I said... We have a better covenant established upon better promises. And I'll tell you something right now. I, I know this beyond the shadow of a doubt. If a person will really learn how to get into proper intercession, and I mean proper, according to the wisdom of God, if the Father has to, He will send angels to that loved one's house for you to get them delivered. I gave you the testimony. You've heard Brother Norval Hayes' testimony concerning his daughter and how she was out of the will of the Lord and, and this and that and the other thing. Now listen, when I say this, you know, some, some might think, well, look, there's got, there's got to be a special this or a special that to get this, this woman back on the right track with the Lord. Maybe she needs this or go to this ministry, go to that ministry, go to the, you know, go over here and, and get hands laid on you. Go over here and get delivered. Go over here and get the brother so-and-so to pray for you. Go get, I want to tell you something right now. That was not it. It was her daddy getting on his knees and interceding in the spirit by faith and appropriating his faith for that girl. And it took a special manifestation of an angel to come into her room. Her, and it wouldn't have come. That angel would not have come had he not interceded in faith by the wisdom of God. But because of his steadfastness and intercession and prayer, that angel appeared. See, we carry a lot of authority in this earth with God. And if it takes that, then it'll happen. But we can't give up the supernatural for the spectacular and think that everything that's going to happen is spectacular. Believe me. That was just unspectacular. I was sitting there in that, in that room with a football game on the television set with little nine little kids running around the whole place and adults talking and everybody's just shouting. I mean, it was just like, you know, Grand Central Station, just loud. But it seemed like when I was talking to him, I didn't hear a thing. Not a word. Not a word. It wasn't spectacular, but it was supernatural and it got the job done. And this, this was, isn't the only case where intercessory prayer got angels on the scene. And Norbert Hayes' case isn't the only one where angels got on the scene. But you see, we need to learn how to, through the wisdom of God, appropriate this prayer of intercession to change things. And things got changed. Now let's go to uh, this scripture right at the close. I thought we were going to get to another you know, type of prayer tonight, but we're not going to be able to do it. Romans, the 8th chapter. Verse 22. I just want to make some statements here concerning... Intercessory prayer, our position concerning the earth. I want to quote to you something that Brother Wright, Wilford Wright wrote 
it is so rich concerning this, these portions of Scripture, you need to hear it and soak in it. If, if I go too fast, don't write it down. Get, get a tape and, and copy it off the tape. But I want you to hear what he had to say concerning this ministry of intercession, concerning groaning and travailing. In the 8th chapter of Romans, verse 22, For we know that the whole creation groaneth, and travaileth and pain together until now, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Now, that first fruits of the Spirit, you and I have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, right? Now, that sealing that we're talking about is like, you ever see the government seal? Like a notary public will put all, you know, if you got your car notarized or something like that, they'll put that seal. We have a seal here at the church, Christian Assembly. And you, once that seal is on there, it's, it's, it's you know, there's no way you're going to undo that. When it's government approved, government stamped, they have their seal on it. When the king puts his signet on a, on a declaration or whatever, it's, that's it. It's got the, kill, the, the, the king's seal on it. You and I have been sealed with the Holy Ghost. We have been branded. You ever see the branding iron where they brand the cattle and they say, look, this belongs to... And you're not going to change that. There it is. It's right in there. Okay? Sealed. Branded. My own. Well, you and I have been sealed in the midst of all this groaning, in the midst of all this travail, in the midst of all this calamity. You and I, over the face of the earth, God... By His Spirit, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all the earth to show Himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts have been sealed, branded as His own by the power of the Holy Ghost. And it's the Holy Spirit that's working in us to cause all these forces around us to be unable to tamper with what God has sealed. You might want to try to steal that car after it's been notarized, but it's been notarized. It's approved. It's sealed. There's nothing you can do about it. I've got it right here. You and I have been sealed by God. And here's what the Holy Spirit is going to do. Look at it. Even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit for the redemption of our body. Verse 26, Likewise, or in the same manner, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. In this new covenant established upon better promises, it's the Spirit of God who will also make intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knows with the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God, according to the program of God. Now listen, as I quote from Wilford H. Wright, his teachings concerning these scriptures and concerning the ministry of intercession. All creation is groaning and travailing in pain. The ultimate consciousness of pain resides in God. The ultimate consciousness of pain resides in God because of His perfect love. Now, through our fellowship with God, we are brought into fellowship with the sufferings of creation on a more acute basis than when we were in the kingdom of darkness. Now, the Holy Spirit interprets to us the consciousness of suffering and makes intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. Now, because of God's perfect love, He has in Him the ultimate consciousness of all suffering and pain. Whenever you got on your knees and call upon the Holy Ghost or when the Holy Spirit took hold together with you, 
concerning that individual, then God by His Spirit allowed you to become a partaker of that other individual's pain or suffering. And that consciousness was revealed to you. When you cut your finger, I don't know how you hurt. I know only when I... When you stub your toe, I don't know how you feel. I know how I feel when I stub my toe. When my daughter fell off that 10-foot drop and landed and smashed on the ground below, I didn't know the pain she had going through her body. When that person got involved in that accident and got hurt and her body was all mangled up, you don't know how they felt. But God does. He is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows what that person's going through. Jesus knows what that, how that pain is. It's the ultimate consciousness of that pain. If, if we knew the travail and the agony and the pain and the suffering of those that are in hell right now, it would cause us to get on our faces before God so that not one other person would go to that place of suffering. We are not conscious of that kind of ultimate suffering. But every now and then the Holy Spirit will create within us the same feeling of that suffering, of that pain that individual is going through. And what He does, it's so that we can and He can through our spirits groan and travail to bring forth deliverance. See, we touch here and there, but I think many times we don't make ourselves available. I remember Ruth saying one time when her sister, I believe it was her sister, if I'm not mistaken, had cancer, something, whatever. And uh, for some reason she didn't know. She hit the floor and just, just began to cry and began to cry and weep just out of her spirit. See, that's what the Spirit of God was doing. Bringing to her the consciousness of this woman's suffering. And deliverance is forthcoming. That's what the Spirit of God does through this ministry of intercession. Let me read one more statement. We get on this tape here. Now, we may not know what we should pray for as we ought, so our prayer will correspond with our need. So the Holy Spirit moves us with groanings which cannot be expressed in words and helps us direct our desires to the proper objects. Also, to help us to be specific is a part of the groanings and yearnings which are according to the will of God. Although we cannot understand them, they are intelligible unto God. That's why this is an act of faith. Even though I don't know what I should pray for, the Spirit of God through groanings and through yearnings will pray through us, for us, according to the perfect will of God so that we are specific in our praying and our prayers are being directed towards the object of what we're praying about and for. And it's intelligible unto God, although we don't understand it. And the results, same results Abraham had in getting the righteous delivered, the same results Moses had is to getting the children of Israel forgiven and delivered from what God was going to do, to get God to repent and, and not to do what he said he was going to do. That results is the same way. The same results you'll have is for the deliverance of that loved one you've been praying about concerning their salvation. It'll work. We've got to close it right here. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. 
If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.